Sorry. Hey, two tools. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We'd love to hear from you. Why don't you give us a call? We'd be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction if you're having some trouble with your car. Can't get started. Can't get stopped. stopped. <laughs> that's it. I think that's more important than getting started. Well, that's right. Maybe you're just thinking about buying a car and you want some advice. There you go. You don't just have to be a repair problem. Sounds great. That's right. You give us a call. We're going to try to help you out. It's 291-6901. And that is the reason why we set this show up 23 years ago was because a lot of folks just don't have anywhere to turn where they can get free, unbiased advice. Right. You go on the internet, obviously, but if you ever notice, so much of the information on the internet was put there by someone who's selling a product. Right. They're pushing an agenda. Yeah. I mean, if you go to XYZ Stop Leak Company and look up Stop Leak, their product is going to fix any problem you got. Sure. Now, that may be a real, real, real bad idea, but you're sure not going to see it there. All they're going to do is tell you about how great it is. Right. They're not going to give you an objective view of, hey, this could be real, real bad long term because it can destroy other things and blah, 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 blah. So that was the reason we decided to start doing this show, like I said, 23 years ago, was so folks would have a place to get unbiased advice. We're not trying to say anything. We're just trying to help you out. That's it. Of course, we own Agco Automotive, and we hope that those people in Baton Rouge will do business with us, but they don't. That's fine as well. Right. And we tell you how to select a good shop wherever you're at. We have a radio show we do, like you're saying, and we also have a website. That's right. The address is agcoauto.com. There's a lot of great information there, unbiased information. Just about anything you would have a question about on a vehicle, the answer's there already. Well, that's right, because over the years, every question that we've gotten on the show that, that I thought made a particularly good point, I jotted it down, and I've gone back and incorporated all that into the website. For instance, there's a section called Vehicle Questions, and there's well over a 1,000 of those, and it's just short to the point answers to a specific question. Like, for instance, 10W30 motor oil, what does that W stand for? Well, just look it up, Miss Henry. There you there go. You. Now, if you want to know what viscosity is or how viscosity works or why viscosity is important, then you go to the detailed topic. And there's an entire article on what all viscosity is, why it's important to you, why you need a specific viscosity in a certain type of car. Those little articles will run maybe 1,000 to 1,500 words with illustrations and all that. So that's a much more involved answer. Correct. And we actually link back and forth between vehicle questions and detailed topics. If you go to a vehicle question and you want more information, you generally click the link and it'll bring you to the appropriate detailed topic and find you a whole lot more information. Tons and tons of things you can do on that website. There is. There's a contact bar on each and every page. You can just fill out the form and send it in with your question and get an answer back within 24 hours. Well, that's right. We get tons of those from all over the world, as a matter of fact. You know, we get them from Europe and Africa and Asia and everywhere else, as well as the United States. And lots of folks will just write in and ask a specific question to having a particular problem with a car. Mm-hmm. Clearly, if you have a very, very involved problem, I'm probably not going to be able to help you with an email because I can't see the car. Right. Intermittent problem that nobody can solve. I'll certainly tell you what I think are some Could common be. things, and I'll tell you some things to check, but I'm probably not going to be able to solve that sort of problem for you. But simpler things like, hey, my brake lights are not working. What do you right. think it could be? I have a blah, blah, blah Honda, or I have a blah, blah, blah Toyota, or Chevy Impala, or whatever it might be. or. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about buying a car, and I'm looking at this one and this one and this one. What do you think about them? We get a lot of that kind of right. question. And I'll give you, from a perspective of repair, repair cost, right. which one I think is a better car. From a perspective of dependability, which one I think is a better car. When you're buying a car, a lot of things go into that decision. You may just like a certain car. Sure. I mean, you may like the color of it. Who knows? 
And they, they say color is a, a major deciding factor in an automobile. Well, it definitely is. And we're only going to be on this rock a short period of time. That's it. So you don't want to go through life never having anything you like. If you just want a new car and that's going to make you happy, you got the money for it, by all means, go ahead and buy a new car. That's right. If you want to know what is going to be the lower cost option between certain cars, Mm -hmm. that's where I can help you because I'm looking at cars from a standpoint of repair. I don't really fall in love with a car. To me, it's just a way to get from point A to point B. Right. I'm not, oh, I got to have this car. I've gotten old enough in life to where cars just don't impress me. (laughs) I don't have anybody impressed by what I drive. You know, I'm I'm not going back. I I mean, I'm not going forward. I'm actually going back. There you go. That's right. To me, a car is just a way to get from point A to point B. Uh And the best way for me to get from point A to point B is the lowest cost way. Correct. That's why I'm driving a 2005 Buick Park Avenue that has got 168,000 miles just because there's nothing on it that's going to break that I can't fix, sure. number one, and I'm going to continue to drive it. I'll probably put 300, 350,000 miles on it because I take care of it, number one, and I'm going to fix anything that breaks because I realize that every month that I drive this car is about $500 more I got in my pocket. That's right. No car note. Because <laughs> I'm not forking up a car note. And like I said, it just doesn't matter to me. I, I'm not trying to impress anybody with the car I drive. And certainly, I do understand you've always wanted a certain car. Sure. Maybe, maybe you always wanted a convertible all your life. Well, by all means, if you can afford it and that's going to make you happy, go get a convertible and, yep. and drive it. I think, like I said, life's too short not to have the things you want. Just be aware that this convertible may cost a little more than that convertible in the long run. That's right. And if you like, let's say, I know folks who like European cars. Uh-huh. For whatever reason, they just like the European cars. Well, that's great. They do handle very well. They're very stylish. Right. But the maintenance and repair costs on them tends to be considerably higher than a domestic and Asian car. Sure. So every time you take it in for repair, expect to pay more. And as long as you understand that, then, hey, everything's great. I know a lot of people, hey, I don't care what it costs. That's what I want to drive. That makes me happy. God bless you, man. By all means. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're looking for something that's going to save you money, then that is probably not the wisest way to go. Correct. There are a lot, lot less expensive ways to get from point A to point B once you take the idea out that hey it just doesn't matter i'm just trying to get where i'm going <laughs> a car is just it's just a means means to the means, end it's not right. the end itself but it's just it all depends on what you want to do and you and i both have been in the car repair field for a long long period of time and generally anytime we go out in public and to a party or whatever someone finds out well you work on cars well the first thing i start asking what do you think about this car you think about that car right and we hear a lot, man, I always wanted such and such and such. Of course, in your mind, you're running through the repair history on this car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's best probably not to tell people a lot of those things unless they specifically ask. Right. You well, it, it just depends on who they are. That's right. Some people get the feelings hurt about Yeah, that. they and do. And then some people really want to know. That's right. So you just have to take with who you're talking to about what you tell yeah. them about the vehicle that they want and go from there. That's right. What did the guy on Men in Black say? If you don't want to know, don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there is very few cars that, if they are taken very good care of, will not give you decent service. Uh And when I say decent service, most cars will give you 100,000 miles with hardly any any problem if they're taken care of. If they're neglected, there's very few that are going to do that. They're all going to give you some kind of problems. Where the difference stands out is when you start wanting to keep a car way beyond 100,000 miles. Well, and that most people decide that when they buy that car, 100,000 miles, they're going to get rid of it. Yeah. Well, when they get to 100,000 miles, they realize, I'm still making notes on this car. That's right. And a and new went, one costs X amount. That went by real fast. <laughs> right. A new one costs X amount. I, I need 
to keep this one. And this one now is only worth this much. Right. Because the vehicle that we paid $45,000 for 100,000 miles ago, maybe five years ago, is probably worth about 10000 now. Correct. So it's going to cost $35,000 additional to replace to replace it. Right. That's if the new one hadn't gone up. If you think about it, you say, well, if I keep it, I'm going to have to spend a lot of money on repairs. I can absolutely guarantee you're not going to spend $45,000 on repairs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you might spend a few thousand dollars on repair, but an awful lot depends on the way the car was taken care of up to that point. Correct. And the rest of it depends on what kind of car you selected initially. Because some cars are just not designed to go much beyond that. Mm -hmm. And you got to watch. It's not only the less expensive cars that have that problem. A lot of people are under the false assumption that if I pay a lot of money for a car, it's a much better car. Not necessarily. No, not at all. Because what a lot more money may very well mean is that it's got a lot more features. A lot more gadgets. and Right. I'll give you an example. A Lincoln is okay. really not one bit better or more quality than a Ford. Okay. It's just got a lot more gadgets on it, and right. it's got a nicer interior and all that. But the quality of the components are zero difference because the Lincoln uses Ford components. Mm -hmm. The same thing if you buy a Chevrolet or you buy a, a Cadillac. Right. The Cadillac may cost a whole lot more, but it's not one bit more quality built than the Chevrolet is. They use a lot of the same components. Sure. Now, it's going to have a lot more features. And if you like those features, that's great. But you got to remember the way that car got to $65,000 is that each part costs a lot of money. Right. And when you start changing those parts, it's going to cost a lot more money than a car that initially cost $20,000. Well, technology costs. That's right. And it just depends on how much technology you can afford. Yeah, how much can you afford? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things we've talked about on the show a few times, a lot of times when you get some of these high-dollar cars, they have those headlights in it. Those things, just the light bulbs, may cost $250 each. Right, and usually when the light bulb burns out, it takes the igniter module with it. Right, which is $500 per side. Plus, you have to take the front bumper cover off to take the headlight assembly out to access those things. So you could be into $3,000 for two headlights sure. before you know it. And again, that's just the cost of a high-dollar car. You're much better off maybe to buy a lower-priced car from a standpoint of mm -hmm. long-term cost of maintaining it. Correct. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, but we sure wish you'd give us a call. It's 291-6901. Be right back. Travel my way, take the highway. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah! Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, 
Welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersland, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. Got all our lines wide open. Be glad to try to get you right on in and get your questions answered. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call because around 11 o'clock, they give us the boot. Boop. And it, you're out of it. here. It's over. <laughs> Just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you during the week. Or maybe at 1130 today. That's right. You can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. You can send Lewis an email. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar, like I said, on each and every page. You can just fill out the little form and send it right on in and get your questions back within 24 hours. That's right. I'm always happy to help. Be glad to get you some information. And it's a whole lot better than trying to guess at things because I tell sure. you, you will generally, when you start guessing, you will guess wrong oh. way more times than you don't. That is and fact. And boy, that can be a very expensive little oh, lesson for you. <laughs> Let's go to our line with Bob. Good morning, Bob. How y'all doing this morning? Doing wonderful. Doing sir. great. Question for you, 09 F-150 Ford, 5.4 liter, four-wheel yes. drive. Mm-hmm. It has the six-speed sealed transmission, no yes, dipstick, mm-hmm. you know, got synthetic fluid in it. It's supposed to be good for the life of the vehicle. Nope. But it does have a fuel plug and a drain plug on That's it. That's right. So, That's right. That's not a sealed transmission, Bob. I don't know where that comes from. It does not have a dipstick, but most transmissions today do not have a dipstick. The reason they don't have a dipstick is because the fluid level is extremely critical. And a dipstick is just not accurate enough. What they've gone to is a system where you have to measure the temperature of the transmission and use an overfill type tool to verify it. That transmission has a pan, it has a filter, it has fluid exactly like every other transmission that's ever been built. And it definitely needs service. They will tell you it's sealed, it's lifetime and all that crud. I can tell you, if you're going to keep the vehicle 100,000 miles and get rid of it, it probably doesn't make too much difference. If you plan on keeping it beyond that, you really need to be servicing it. I like to service it around 50,000 miles. At very, very least, I like to service it no more than 100,000 miles. A lot of people don't like to do it because of the procedure to check it and get it correct. It Mm -hmm. it takes a half hour, 45 minutes to to check Check the the fluid fluid level. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So with 80,000 miles, I'm planning on keeping it. Need to be doing it, yes. 300,000 miles is probably a good idea to change it. Absolutely. Need to, yeah. need to find somebody that knows how to do it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. To exactly. get it done. Yeah, and exactly. it is a specific procedure for it, a specific fluid that goes in it. And we buy when we do them, we buy the filters from Ford, use the Ford filter on it. The gasket is actually a reusable gasket. Uh-huh. you got to watch. A lot of people take that gasket off, throw it away, and they don't realize that little gasket in the box that you bought at the parts store is not one-tenth as good as that no. reusable gasket that came from Ford. And got- when it leaks, you got to go back to Ford and buy a gasket for about 60 bucks. <laughs> right. you got to be careful with it. It's got a few um, places on it where it could get damaged if you get too rough with that gasket. Yeah, but it's a reusable, yeah, right. it's a reusable part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if something like that, if that involves uh, refilling it, doing it, I'll probably take it somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And have it done. It's, uh, it's probably something really simple. I've done it before, but if you look at the failure mode on that and what the cost would be. <laughs> well, when, you, when you're considering four grand for a transmission, right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, probably less than 200 to service it properly, you know, it's just yeah. not, it's not a very good gamble. Exactly. So the other question would be, you were talking about, you know, long-term use of vehicles yes, and maintenance. Mm-hmm. So I do plan on driving this truck. Probably I'm just going to get everything I can out of it. Absolutely. On the 5.0-liter Fords, other than the normal maintenance stuff, you know, brakes and whatever, mm-hmm. what are some of the stuff that you should look for on these pickup trucks that typically fail as you get over 100 You need to miles? change the coolant if you hadn't done that already, which is the antifreeze. That has an absolute outside life of five years, and most people don't realize that, and they let it get corrosive, and that will absolutely eat your truck away. 
I mean, okay. the first thing you do is you start noticing water dripping on the floor on the right side. Well, that's the heater core is leaking, and that is a huge job. I mean, you got to pull the whole dash out to fix it. It'll right. eat the radiator up. It'll eat the whole truck away. And, and that pr- takes a specific coolant. It's a VC7B. is a yellow coolant that you have to put back in it. Right. And it has to be mixed with distilled water. So, again, a pretty specific procedure. At 89,000, I'd probably go ahead and change the spark plugs in it, even though they tell you they'll go 100. It's just a lot easier to get them out at 89. Now, fortunately, in 09, they went to a one-piece plug, so you don't have the right. problem of the plugs breaking off like the old right. engine. You, just, you have to be real careful because the way that engine's set up, the spark plugs are standing up on end. Stand, right. They're looking straight up, and they're sitting in a tube. When you take the coil out, Make sure you take compressed air and blow everything out of that hole before you yeah, take right. the plug out. Because Any if you debris in that hole is going right. down that hole. It's going in that hole when that plug comes out. Mm-hmm. Right, which right. is right and into I've the always, cylinder. And I've always done that with all my vehicles. Just blow the little plug. That's well great. Out. Right, absolutely. And beyond that, you'd want to go ahead and service the rear end at around 100,000. That takes 75 W140 synthetic all. Don't put anything else in it. Yours is a four wheel drive. Yes, sir. Okay, so you got a front and a rear differential. The mm-hmm. front probably takes 75W90. You also have a transfer case, which stands to be changed. And really, if you plan on keeping this thing, Bob, a long time like you are, doing that right now would not hurt. No. 89,000 is not too early to do all that because if you wait till the fluids are completely depleted at around 100, you're already starting to get some wear. And you right. can never get 100% of them out of there. So if you don't wait till they're depleted before you change them, you're going to do yourself a big old favor. Well, the thing about the coolant, you can't get 100% of the coolant out. So if you right. get what you can out before it turns corrosive, right. you're ahead of the right. game. Way, way good. Right, mm-hmm. right. So that uh, transfer case does not share fluid with the transmission. No, sir. No, that's sir. the regular drain and fill. And I don't know what fluid it takes. They take different ones depending. You just have to look it up right. and service data. But it's generally a drain and fill. Pretty simple. Something you could do yourself very easily. Okay. All right, guys, I sure appreciate it. All right, man. All right, Thanks thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we going back to the line with Mark. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, boys. Thanks for having me. Yes, Good sir. Morning. I was just going to continue on the old car thing. I got 2004 Toyota 4Runner. Oh, great. So that's 11 years old. Oh, great vehicle. 170K on mm-hmm. it, but I feel like I'm getting to the end of that bathtub model, you know? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. If it's been taken care of, I have seen those with 300,000 sure. plenty times. But even still, an 04 like that, it has too much technology, I think. Because I'm getting weird. <laughs> Don't stuff. go look at the new ones then. <laughs> I was going to say. And, you know, I emailed you a while back about a yaw sensor, which is what the yes, guy sir. told uh-huh. me. And I'm like, man, you know, that's 750 right there just to part. You know? Yeah, pretty expensive. But it's taking out the traction control and mm-hmm. ABS. Right. So every time you put it in drive, in a minute it starts rolling. Boom. Have you tried to recalibrate it? No, you said you could, but you also mentioned that based on what I said, it, it probably wouldn't help. Most it. times it doesn't. Most times it has to be replaced. Really? One thing that you might look at, Mark, I know a lot of people are going to salvage yard, finding them, and, and putting used ones in just because of the high price. We've had pretty good luck doing that. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's the same subject you were just on. You know, she's looking at Lexuses and Infinities, you know? Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's already got one. She just It's not dressed up with makeup and high heels like the Lexus, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are also high maintenance, so it's, right. like, it's almost like women themselves, the cars. Just not quite as much fun. <laughs> <laughs> the Forerunner was the modest, long-lasting one, you know. Oh, absolutely. is the high cost and high maintenance Yeah, it's one, not you know? built one bit better. Not a better vehicle, it's just more expensive, more dressed up vehicle. But I'm convinced that they make them 
better looking and sexier looking on purpose. Absolutely, they, they do. They, Plus, sells they, cars. They don't do it for the Nissan Pathfinder and the Forerunner. They kind of give it a little style, but ultimately they save it for the high end. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the high end cars cost more, mm-hmm. right? So they got to dress them up more to get to sell it. That's right. People to buy them. Yeah, yeah right. I, guys would be a whole lot more satisfied at twenty five thousand with no real features. But when he starts coughing up sixty five k, he won't see a lot of buttons. Exactly. You button know, pushing gadgets, gadgets, gizmos, yeah. and right. have you. Now, if I could, I want to jump over to mine. It's a 12 charger mm-hmm. with a 5.7 Hemi. Mm-hmm. Do you know about, is it normal for it to tap a little bit when it first cranks up? It is mm-hmm. maybe normal, but it's not, not good. good. <laughs> <laughs> They've had a lot of trouble with oil pressure on those engines. I mean, a tremendous amount of now, trouble. Now, it's got a good, uh, like a digital oil pressure gauge, mm-hmm. you know, and it gives you an yeah, normally when they get hot, yeah. the oil pressure drops on them. I know they've had a lot, a lot of trouble with that. And but I did start read tapping. somewhere that it's normal only if it's brief on yeah. a cold start. Well, it's not, it's not normal. It's common. Right. Common. It is common, right. but it's normal. not normal. No, normal. it should not be doing it, but it does happen to an awful lot of them. Is that something I should Is it still under on? warranty? No. If it's not under warranty, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to know to fix. So. Right. It's one of those things, as long as it's not causing any other problems, I'd probably just go ahead and stay with it. Just keep changing y'all real frequently. Yeah, none that I can see. Mm-hmm. Now, I do it every 5,000, but I drive a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's about three times a year. And I maybe even consider going to a synthetic all with it. That may help. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and using a factory filter on it would help, too. Yeah, right. And I always have. Yeah, I good. I've gone with conventional uh, pins oil because it's yeah. Christ's respect. Certainly not going to hurt to go with a synthetic all because... The clearances on the engines are just too much, and that's why they get that rattle until all gets up there and quiets it down. Synthetic is going to hang in there a little better, give you a little more protection. But, I mean, the fix is rebuilding the engine, so it's just not worth that unless it gives you more Really? Mm-hmm. Gee whiz. Yeah. Well, I, the only reason I was hesitant on synthetic is it's so expensive. And yeah. I, the last truck I had when I switched over, it seemed like a few years later it started to bleed through the seams in the valve yeah. covers. Yeah, that was going to happen anyway. Synthetic all didn't have anything to do with it. It just... No, because it comes out like water, I found you. <laughs> nah, it's the same viscosity as the regular oil. It's just, if you want to try to help with this problem, that's the only thing you can do. And it is more expensive, but it's a lot less than an engine rebuild. Yeah. So then it's normal for it to consume a quart over 5,000 miles? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're going to do that. And another thing I wanted to ask you, in the reservoir, the coolant reservoir, mm-hmm. it's like a chalky buildup. It's almost like it's colored the whole thing. I know it started out white. You know, and now it's kind of ambered up, and you can actually take the cap off and peel some away. Yeah. Kind of like dried up mustard. Yeah, that's just the corrosion and the stuff that gets in the cooling system. Probably that's wouldn't hurt to change the coolant. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get that out, but it would certainly hurt. If you, if you got that, it's got the same thing throughout the whole engine, so you definitely need to change the coolant. Yeah. And it does have the HID lights, too, which mm-hmm. I, I don't even use them very much. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hi, right, Mark. Well, thanks okay. for calling, man. Thank y'all very much. Uh-huh. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Yes, All right, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. We're going to talk to Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Good morning. Looks like you guys doing, doing wonderful, doing sir. Doing great. Good. Look, I have a uh, 2008 Chevy Impala. Okay. And I think it's called the actuator. It clack, clack, clack. Yeah, yeah, right. under the dash. Yeah, when you when you turn it off, yeah. click, 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 uh-huh. time bomb under the dash. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You turn the temperature down and yeah. clack. Yeah, Jared, I'm sorry, uh, Steve, luckily those are easy to change and they're relatively inexpensive. The ones oh, that go on the Chevy pickups are real expensive. They're about 250 bucks a piece. Those are down in like the $40, $50 range and they're pretty easy to change. So if you want to try it yourself, you might be able to do it. But in the shop, it's not going to be real expensive to fix. Okay, no, I don't think I'm going to try it. Yeah, yeah, most people don't want to. But you can get it to us. We can check it. Tell you, there's four of them in there. Usually it's one making noise. And some people just elect to change all four of them while they're in because they generally all go bad sooner or later. 
but they're not like the Chevy pickups. They're a lot less expensive actuator. Okay, good. What's a good time to get to you? Any time? Do I need to make an appointment? Just call Elaine on Monday morning, and she'll set you up an appointment, and you can bring in and drop it off, and we get it in out the same day with no problem. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Thank Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. Jared, Chris, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. we got Jared's been patiently holding. Thanks for holding, Jared. Thank you, buddy. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a 2003 Chevy Silverado 1500 four-wheel drive. Okay. Yeah, I just crossed the 100,000-mile barrier. First time I ever did in any mm-hmm. of my vehicles, so it's kind of... I'm, I'm New ground to you. <laughs> New ground and making sure I'm waiting for that oh crap moment of something yeah. very expensive breaking. But yeah, okay. I, I've gone through and made, I've done the normal maintenance of changing gas, changing the gas, obviously, but uh, <laughs> changing all, yes, changing brakes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Just recently, it started whenever I make a turn to the right. It mostly happens when I turn to the right, but there's a slight grinding sound. Okay. So I went in, I replaced the brake pads, I replaced the rotor mm-hmm. uh, on both sides. Okay. Uh, the rotor was going down on both sides. I replaced the hub assembly on both sides. Okay. And it's still making, it's still, it feels like whenever I turn to the right that something is catching and grinding. And it feels like if I would make, if I would continue to turn into that turn, mm-hmm. that something would just snap. Like it, it, it's a grinding, catching kind of feel. Does putting it in and out of four-wheel drive change it? I quite honestly haven't messed with four-wheel drive yet. I well, what you it. want to do, don't do it on the concrete because you can damage the truck putting it in four-wheel drive okay. on concrete. But get off like in a, a side lot somewhere that's grass or maybe in a gravel parking lot or something like that. Put it in four-wheel drive and turn and see if that changes. Okay. Because you have a front differential, and those gears, when you're turning a corner, are turning at different speeds. Because when you go around a corner, the inside wheel is turning slower than the outside wheel. And that's okay. spinning all the gears and stuff inside the differential. So it could have a problem in that front differential. That's one thing that comes to mind. Another, you said you changed both the front hubs, and mm-hmm. it did not affect it at all? It did not. It, it, mm. redu- it re- reduced the sound a little bit, but it's still doing it. Yeah, I would almost have to see the vehicle, Jared. I tell you, it, I've seen some really obscure things that right. can cause that. One thing we ran across on a 03 model was the body bolts that hold the body to the frame had fallen out. And for some reason, when you turn one way, that cab would sort of shift on the frame and make a really weird noise like that. So you might just take a look and make sure all the big bolts that hold the body to the frame. Uh-huh. That was one thing. Okay. Also, yeah. something in the steering is possible. Can you make the noise sitting still, or do you have to be I, rolling? 
It has to be rolling. We'll not do a sitting still. Okay, well, I would eliminate the steering because all the steering is turning whether you're sitting still or not. I would really have to see the vehicle to tell you specifically, but I would try putting it in and out of four-wheel drive. If the noise changes significantly, then I would suspect something in a differential. Okay. Now, I will say uh, maybe four years, it was right, I was around 70,000 miles, mm-hmm. 75,000 miles. Yes, sir. And it did have to have the front axle replaced. It was, I think they said it, the the drive shaft had snapped on the inside. Something was messed up, so yes, they replaced sir. that entire front, uh, front end side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was within 500 miles of my warranty. Wow. Store, so that was now, awesome. did they replace it or did they re- repair it? Uh, they replaced it with a, uh, it wasn't brand new, it was, it was used part. Yeah. See, it could be going back to that same problem. Maybe they didn't do the best job in the world and just held up so many years. Mm-hmm. But there's also two axles in there that have yeah. U-joints in them. One of those U-joints could be going bad would well, that, cause that same thing. That front end is a CV joint. Yeah, uh, CV uh, joint type setup. Axle. One of those CV joints or U-joints on the outside axle can cause that as well. So, But again, putting it in four-wheel drive should change that noise significantly if that's the case. Okay. But that, may, okay. that doesn't have to be a real major repair. It could be something fairly minor, but you're going to have to do a little bit of detective work to find it. Yeah. And, and if you and, just and can't find it, if you're in a Baton Rouge area, you could bring it to us. We could find it for you. Yeah, and I was sitting thinking that it was the CV joints at first. So what I might do, since it's not an expensive repair and it's not a, a difficult repair at all to do, to mm-hmm. change those and see if it still happens. Well, what you could do, like I said, if you put it in four-wheel drive and the noise changes, then that adds a lot more fuel to the fire. Because if you do that and it doesn't change at all, then it's probably not that. So okay. just do that little okay. test first, and that so, might save so, you. So I'm kind of I'm hoping for that for a, uh, a change in the sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, okay. it, if the noise changes when you put it in full, because now you're loading that joint, you see. Uh-huh. Yeah, so if that changes the noise considerably, then you know it's in the differential, and the CV joint would be the first place I'd look. And okay. you may be able to just take it out and kind of move it through its motion and feel what you're talking about. Okay. All righty. All right, thank you very All right, much. Jared, man. thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm, bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want part of the Automotive Hour, we always love hearing from you. And we've got Chris online. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for holding. Hey, thanks, Lewis. Listening to your show out here this morning while I'm working on my 2004 Yukon. Okay. The 5.3, changing the spark plugs in it. Okay, a couple good. of questions about that. You better. I got a small inch-pound torque wrench. What, what do they need to be torqued at? 11, 11 to 13 foot-pounds. Mm-hmm. Great, okay. Is, so if you want inch-pounds, convert it to inch yeah, multiply that by 12. Right. 132, um, I think. Something like that. Yeah, it's close to that. Yeah, just yeah. an inch-pound, you'd multiply by 12 to get foot-pound. You'd okay. just multiply by 36. 12 to get inch-pounds. Okay, and your opinion on anti-seize on the thread? No, don't do it because that we'll do uh, it. that plug will not seize if under normal conditions if everything is clean and it's put in with the engine cold. You don't ever want to put it in hot. Anti-seize can actually change the temperature range on the plug because you're putting something between the thread and the plug. Most of the experts that I've ever talked to that I respect the opinion of, they don't put anything on it. They don't use anything at the factory and they don't have any trouble with them. So okay. you just want to make sure the engine is cold when you put them. You never put a plug into a warm engine because that's where you start getting problems. Yeah, I got started this morning while it was cold. Just yeah, absolutely. Part of your show. So. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the one on the dry, on the passenger side in the back is the hardest one to do. That's the one I'm doing first. <laughs> <laughs> I usually take a regular spark plug socket and the shortest extension you can find. And a fairly narrow ratchet, and you can get them out pretty easy. I tell you what works as well. If you got one of those spark plug sockets that has a hex on the top of it, you can get a, a open-end wrench or a box-end wrench on the socket, and that works pretty well as well. Good. Okay, cool. 
All right, that was it. Okay, and the best thing on that one, Chris, is to use the AC Delco plug. You got to watch. There's two spark plugs, and a lot of dealers and most parts stores are going to try to sell you the platinum plug. That came original equipment with the iridium plug. The part number should be forty one one ten. It's a short number. They'll yeah, try to I su- emailed you during the week. And okay, good, good. Yeah, that's, that's be sure you get the iridium plugs because the platinum plug is going to take a different gap and it's not going to operate quite the same. Yeah, they forty thousand on the iridium. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they should yep. come pre-gapped already. Yeah, and I generally replace the wires when I replace the plugs because the wires are not that expensive and you're right there. And a lot of times you tear them up when you take them you off. you got to pull them pretty hard to get them off of those plugs, and generally they'll end up failing shortly thereafter. And be aware, there's two different wires. you got a, a 748HH and a 748GG, and one of them's about an inch longer than the other. If you get the number off the coil, it'll either start with a 12 or a 19, and that determines which wire. Or you can bring the old wires to the parts store and match them up. But be sure you get the right plug wire back on it. Right. The short wire won't work on the long one, and the long one's too long for the short one. That's right. It'll rub. (laughs) Okay. Then the last question, your opinion on uh, using some, like, dielectric grease on the contacts between the plug and the... Yeah, it's going to have that on it already. It'll come in the package with the spark plug wires. Mm -hmm. There's a little tube in there about a couple inches long. And it should be uh, more than enough to do all, to them, do yeah. all uh, eight, eight of them. Okay, yeah, I may have to go back for the wires, and I didn't get those. I would. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'll I tell you, almost every time, you know, we get some customers, they just don't want to spend the money, and almost every time they'll come back two, three months later with a check engine light, got a misfire. And no matter how careful you are, those wires are not wired. They're carbon fiber. They're old. They're hard. They're brittle. When you move them around any amount at all, it's going to kind of break the little carbon fibers and everything. They're going to start arcing inside the wire. And then they'll fail within three or four months. At best, they'll last that long. A lot of times, they'll break right off in your hand while you're trying to take right. them off. And, I mean, you figure you, you probably got, what, 100,000 miles on the truck? 120. Yeah, oh, so yeah. those wires They're are deep. tired, man. You got your money's worth. Go ahead and get another set. Put on what you're ready for another hunt. And you said the auto parts store wires are okay? No, I like AC Delco. I, I buy the AC Delco wires. They're not that much more okay. than anything else. And I know they fit okay. right, and they're much, much better. We get the aftermarket stuff a lot of times, brand-new trucks missing, and we got to pull them off, put the Delco wires mm-hmm. on it. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling, man. All right. I think we're going to take one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. If you got any questions, you just give Brian and I a call. We'll try to answer them for you and give you some information, give you a little free advice. Still got a little time to get you a real complete answer. We got plenty of time. <laughs> I've heard that before. That's right. Give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out. We got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Hey, how are you doing? Doing wonderful, sir. Good morning. I'd just like you to tell me, explain uh, spark plug heat ranges. 
Okay. Basically, Mr. Bruce, what a heat range is, is the temperature that the electrode operates at, and that is designed into the engine when they're designing it. They want a plug that is hot enough to burn off the deposits, but not so hot that it causes pre-ignition. And that number is going to change depending just on a whole multitude of factors. And as the engineer has to set the heat range when he builds the engine. And what they're trying to do is achieve the hottest range they can get without causing any kind of pre-ignition or detonation in the chamber. Because if the plug gets too hot, it'll actually ignite the mixture just by its heat rather than waiting for the spark to go off. And that can damage the engine. If the plug is too cold, it's going to foul out too soon. So it's a delicate balance. If you use the plug that the car manufacturer calls for, you're going to be right 99.9% of the time. In cases where an engine has extremely high mileage and it's starting to use a lot of oil, sometimes you can go one range hotter and it'll help just a little bit. But you got to be very careful because if you set up a situation where you're getting detonation or pre-ignition, then you can actually damage your engine considerably. In hot rods and race cars generally you'll go a range or two colder just because they perform slightly slightly better the average driver would never notice it but in a competition situation it can give you a little bit of edge and you don't care because you could probably change the plugs every round anyway so that's kind of the long and short of it what determines the heat range is the length of the insulator where it goes back into the body of the plug because the body of the plug is where all the heat is dissipated and the longer that insulator is the hotter the plug is going to operate the shorter the insulator the cooler is going to operate and that's all a function of the way the plug is designed all right well thank you sir all right man thanks for calling bye-bye all right, 291-6901 is the number. we still got plenty of time. Be glad to try to help you out and answer any questions you might have. That's right. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air, you can always go to our website, hit the contact bar, fill out the form, and send it in. Let us get it back to you within 24 hours. That's right. And the company name is A-G-C-O, AGCO. It stands for Altazan's Garage Company. There you go. And the website is AGCO Auto, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Dot com. A lot of people say, well, I can't understand what you're saying. Right. Uh, <laughs> I said, I promise I will say it real slow. <laughs> but it's Altazan's Garage Company. Of course, my name is Altazan, and I own the garage company. So there you go. that's where it comes from, Altazan's Garage Company, AGCO. It could also be a good company. Okay. Now, I go for that. A, a great, great company. company. <laughs> <laughs> or America's Garage Company. There you go. In case we ever decide to expand to that extent. <laughs> Which I'm getting a little bit old, so I don't know. Maybe you'll take it to that level. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We certainly got enough interest out there. We get email from folks all over the country saying, man, I wish I had a place like yours where I'm at. Man, all over the world, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. I tell you, a, a good auto repair shop is a hard and precious thing to find. That it is. It's like a good anything these days. Yeah. We're going back to our phone lines with Chad. Good morning, Chad. Morning to y'all. Yes, good sir. Morning. I have a 2005 F-150. Okay. And this thing burns about a quart of oil every thousand miles. Yes, yeah, sir. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't leak. Yeah, no, it's burning. No, it's it, burning it. Yeah, those engines were kind of bad about the ring sticking in them. You got the four six or the five four? Uh, the five four. Yeah, both of them are the same engine, basically a modular engine, different cylinder heads on it. But they're bad about that, particularly if anyone ever used the wrong oil in it. Ford initially said five W thirty in those, then they came back and revised that to five W twenty, and the thinner oil helped with the problem somewhat. So I'm not sure which one you're using, but the five twenty may make it better. A couple of things you can try, Chad, other than replacing the engine. 
One is, like I said, if you go to the thinner oil and you start changing it more frequently, like around 3,000-mile change intervals, that will generally make the situation better. It may not clear it up, but it generally makes it better. Now, this change in the oil viscosity came from the engineers at Ford. Right. This is not something we took on our own. Just no, to, no. To Ford, the new spec is 5W20 right. on all their engines. And <laughs> the second thing is there's a process called a chemical treatment where we can pull the spark plugs out, run some chemicals down through the cylinders, put some other stuff in the all goes through a whole process sometimes it helps sometimes it cures it sometimes it just doesn't do anything at all it just depends on how bad the situation is so that would be another level that you could go to now beyond that you into either rebuilding or replacing the engine so even at a quart per thousand it's probably just not worth now you know you're better off just to buy all no, even the, right. new, the new ones, they won't do anything for them for a quart and a thousand. Yeah, you'll buy 2014. Some of those are using a quart and a thousand. They'll tell you it's normal. Right. Uh, so I don't like it, but that's I don't just the way it is. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I've been running 520 in it the whole time. Mm-hmm. I do get on the internet. And I try to Google it and find out what you know. maybe others have done. Mm-hmm. I've seen different posts where people say, oh, replace the PVC valve. Well, that's integrated into the valve cover on this particular engine. Yeah, you can change the valve on it. No, you can change the valve. Well, what what can happen, and it's pretty rare, but a PC valve can stick open, and when it does, it can suck all out of the valve cover and burn it in the engine. That is certainly a possibility. Another thing, it can stick closed, which will increase the back pressure on the engine, which will force all past the rings. So from that perspective, they are correct. And the valve can be changed in that one. It's stuck down into a, like a grommet. It may be actually seized in there. You may have to do a little work to get it out, but not going to hurt anything. And, I mean, you can actually check that with a tool called a manometer. We could check it for you and tell you if it's working or not. Another thing you can do, if you pull the hose off and look inside and oil drips out that hose, then you probably got a bad valve for sure, and you probably are using some oil from that reason. So very inexpensive, fairly say, easy to do. Certainly not going to hurt anything if it hadn't been done already, but probably won't cure the problem. Most of the time, okay. what I find is that the rings are stuck in them. That was just a real common problem on the modular engines. And Ford told people they could go 5,000, 7,000 miles between changes and all that. And you can, but you end up with this kind of problem when you get down the road. I would probably go to a 3,000-mile oil change, the 5W20 motor oil. Mm-hmm. You don't need any kind of high-mileage oil in any of that crud. That's just a gimmick, just regular oil, whatever you've been using in it. If you want to try a chemical treatment, it doesn't cost a whole, whole bunch, and that may very well help. It may not. just depends on how bad the problem is. But beyond that, it's probably just something you have to live with unless you want to change the engine. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all's time. All right, man. All right, Thanks thank for calling. You. All right. Thank All right, Chad. You. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901. We've still got a few minutes left on the show. We can yeah. try to help you out. Get you a quick answer. That's right. Those engines always did have a little more oil consumption issues than some. A lot of the newer engines have oil consumption they problems do. anyway. They're just the way they're building them now. And tell you, well, they're supposed to do that. Well, why no. didn't they do that before? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why did all this just start recently? You know, well, I can tell you a lot of it's the machine work. Oh, machine yeah. Machine work is terrible. Absolutely on horrible, engines. man. You start tearing these engines down, like in the 13s and 14s. Oh, yeah. Even the 12 models. And you'll see machine work that you think came out of a backyard shop somewhere. Yeah. Instead of I mean, it's a terrible. manufacturer. Yeah. And when that cylinder finish is not smooth enough you're just not going to seat the rings against it properly no and not only that but the tolerances are just way too great i know chevrolet had a lot of oil consumption problems they finally owned up to it and they will actually change the pistons and rings for you on uh-huh. some of those if, if it's less than a hundred thousand miles I see all our lines are lit up let's oh. see how many of these calls we can get to right. we got jim online good morning jim hey how you doing, doing wonderful, good sir good how do you feel about the difference between being able to get the 
non-ethanol gas and ethanol gas. Well, if it's a late model vehicle, Jim, I don't think the non-ethanol is a real big advantage to you because they're designed to run right. on it. And I mean, I don't love it, but it's not the worst thing in the world. The problem that I see every time I find a non-ethanol station, it's usually a little small dinky station with a no-name kind of gas. And to me, I've noticed a lot of people use that. They have a lot of fuel system problems with dirty fuel. So, I mean, if you could get some non-ethanol fuel that was perfectly clean at a high-volume station, it'd probably be good. Uh-huh. What, what kind of vehicle are we talking about, Jim? I got an uh, 04 Dodge Ram 1500 Timmy, and I got an 06 Altima. See, on an 04 and 06, that 10% ethanol is not going to hurt a thing in the world. It's designed to run on. It's got a nylon fuel tank, so it's not going to rust. It's got nylon fuel lines, so you're not going to have corrosion. And, I mean, yeah. the engine's basically designed to run on that where you have trouble is on the old vehicles that weren't designed to run on it or on little small motors that right yeah outboard engines things like that and i would say if you just you want to buy some non-ethanol gas and for like your lawnmower and stuff at home i would get some kind of a filter and try to filter it before i put it in just to make sure it's clean okay okay and that's one reason i've had in this ram here just a while back well it's been six months or so Mm-hmm. I got to where I couldn't put fuel in it. Yeah, I that's mean, not the, that's gonna that's be the gas. Issue. That's going to be your charcoal canister or your uh, vent solenoid. That's fairly had, common. Yeah, on. I had to change all. I had to change the tank. Yeah, it could Sometimes. be. Could be. Now I tell you what yeah. they what they say causes that, Jim, is that when you fill your tank up, you know how the pump cuts off the first time. Right. I always like just keep on putting gas. I don't like having to stop. They say that's what causes that. If you keep putting gas uh, after it okay. cuts off the first time, it backs up into that charcoal canister and wipes it out. And that's okay. what, so the first time that nozzle cuts off, go ahead and quit putting gas in there and you won't have that trouble anymore. Okay. The problem I got now is check engine lights on mm-hmm. and I run into this several times and it seems like every time I take, I got a new gas tank off charcoal, all that mess, mm-hmm. new, new gas cap. Mm-hmm everything but if i'll go and wipe and clean that rubber seal on that gas cap mm-hmm. and clear it it'll stay cleared for maybe two months or it may not but then it's gonna pop back on i go get a check it's gonna say a small leak yeah do some of the gas cap and yeah that's probably a coincidence that it just happens to go off because it doesn't test on everything you're clearing it, it just takes a while for it to come back go to my website type in chrysler evap and there's a description of exactly how that system works. Most of the time, the leak detection pump is going bad or it's bad. That's the most common thing. Other than that, it may have a small crack in one of the lines somewhere. That fixes about 99% of them. And I'm sorry, we're just totally out of time. I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and go to iTunes and those great services. Get Pod your service. Podbean or right. Give us a written rating. Yeah, a written review will move us up in the ratings. More folks can hear us. We all really appreciate that. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. V8 motor this smart and designed like convertible top and the gas going by. Sporting with me riding all around town for joy. Blow your horn, Raymond. Blow.